What is up, guys? Welcome to Official Visit, the podcast about college baseball recruiting by players for players. My name is Joe Jimenez here again with Jared Penniman. Jared, say hi. What's up, everybody? And today's guest is Pat Caulfield. So Pat's from Burlingame, California. He went to Sarah High School in San Mateo. And after Sarah, he went to Santa Barbara City College, which is a JUCO in Santa Barbara. He spent two years there before transferring to UCLA, where he earned the starting job before the season got canceled in 2020. Guys, we're going to talk about his recruiting story and how Pat got to UCLA and the decisions that he made. But the bigger thing with this podcast is Pat teaches us how to chase after our dreams. And he's going to go into the trials and tribulations that he had to go through in high school. And honestly, it gave both Joe, Joe and I goosebumps listening to this story. Um, Pat had to mature much, much faster than, than a lot of people uh, playing baseball in high school. And something that he said that really stuck with us when we were doing this interview was your situation, no matter what you're going through, does not define you. And the second biggest thing that he talks about is how expensive some of these, these showcases are. And as, as we're seeing, there's, there's a huge trend. These showcases are getting more and more expensive. And a lot of people don't know what to do if they can't afford these because they see everybody going to these showcases and spending this money. And Pat goes into a good amount of detail of what you can do if you can't afford these showcases because he was a guy that had to make a decision whether to spend the money to go to these showcases and then had the hindsight of what he could have done if he didn't go to these showcases. So, Joe, you ready to go? Yep, let's go. Pat, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. How's your day going? Good, man. Early morning. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Um, let's start at your freshman year. Um, you went to Sarah High School, and we had Nick Garcia on two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, and we know about the competitive culture at Sarah from our interview with Nick. Did you have the same goal of playing college baseball as soon as you stepped on Sarah's campus when you were a freshman? Yeah, absolutely. I had, uh, you know, I had two older brothers that played college baseball, uh, both of which uh, went the JUCO route. But uh, I decided to go to Sarah because it has such a, a athletic culture, um, and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, and since day one, I got there. That was my goal: is I want to play college baseball, and that's really all I ever wanted to do. So to be a part of that um, competitive culture and to develop there. Um, that's all I wanted to do. And, you know, um, they had so many guys going to Division One, and I just wanted to be a part of that. So that's kind of why I chose Sarah. So what were what were your first steps when, I mean, you had your two older brothers go the JUCO route, play college baseball. You knew that you wanted to play college baseball and follow in the footsteps of of everyone that was kind of running through Sarah at that time. What were what were your thoughts? What were your first steps to try to try to get to that next level, be it showcases, whether it be camps, whether it be reaching out to coaches and stuff like that? For sure. Yeah, I, uh, I was one of those guys that like was went way overboard on that process of trying to email coaches so early on in my career when I wasn't even very good. And I've really focused on, um, you know, going to these camps, going to these showcases, spending all this money all of which was my money um, and that I had to work for. 
Um, and I wasn't even very good, but I thought I was had this ego, you know, as long as I play in front of coaches, I'm going to get recruited. And it really wasn't the case. And I didn't understand that until I got to college. Um, but at the time it was like, I, I just got to play in front of coaches and I'll get recruited and I'll sign on the dotted line. Like everyone else does at Sarah. And, um, you know, it, for me, like I, I didn't focus on the little things enough in high school. Like I became, I fell in love with the weight room a little too much. Um, I, you know, was doing a little too much bodybuilding stuff. I didn't really know the right way to functionally lift at that point in my career. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, I'm hitting chest and tries on a Monday and back and buys on a Wednesday. And it's just like, that's obviously not good for baseball. Um, and I didn't really realize that until I got to college and in high school, I got a little too bulky, you know, um, didn't really move well, wasn't very fast, but, uh, I really had this chip on my shoulder. Like I thought I was the best player in the league. And I was, I was like dumbfounded of the fact that I had no offers yet. There was other guys in the league that did. And I kind of just got by, by competing really hard. But in reality, like I had no tools. Like I wasn't a plus runner. I didn't have a plus arm. I didn't have a plus bat. Wasn't great at bunting. And I didn't realize that until I got to college, but I thought I was good. And so I'm going to these showcases um, where I have no tools and I'm paying this, this money to these honestly big business corporations now who really don't care about you. They just want to get your money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, I fell into that trap. Um, and it wasn't until like the very end of my senior year where I was like, wow, like, maybe I'm really not that good. Like maybe I need to go to the Juco route. And so, you know, that's what happened. Yeah. Pat, you know, I, you talked a lot about like developing versus showcasing yourself, but I mean, you also mentioned that you're paying showcases out of your own money. Like, did your parents help you out at all? I mean, they're, they're crazy no. expensive now. Yeah. Like how'd that work for you? So, you know, my story is really different than a lot of people. Um, it's something I really haven't talked about publicly. It's kind of only something like my close friends know. But so my sophomore year of high school, my uh, my family is struggling a lot financially. And we ended up losing our house. Um, and, you know, that took a big toll on me, like really hard. I was struggling with mental health a lot. Like I was going to school, kind of putting on a phony face every day. No one really knew what was going on. And it was really, really, really tough on me. Um, but at the same time, I kind of, I kind of kept that forward vision. Like, I think one of my best qualities is that I can, you know, have like a future goal and just try to reach it and have that vision. It was the same thing, like with Nick Garcia, he, I mean, we worked together in high school and even though he had to go to like the division three route, he is where he is today because he thought he was going to be there. And that was the same thing with me. Like in high school, I knew that it would take me time. Um, but at the same time, I was going through all this and um, I, I, I told myself, I'm not going to let this defeat me. Like I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, bow down to what's my current situation is. And my two older brothers are my best friends. And all we'd ever say is, you know, 
this is our reality. Like we're going to make it, we're going to make it. We just got to put our heads down and work and we got to put in the work, but it was every day we would talk like, Hey, you know, this sucks, but it's reality. And we just got to move forward. And so, um, my, my sophomore and junior year, I just started picking up jobs and I was working at the golf course in the summers. I was getting up at four 30, um, you know, for a five fifteen AM shift, I'd work from five fifteen to about one o'clock at home, take a nap, go, uh, lift, um, go hit. And then I would coach at night from like five 30 to eight. And, uh, that's how I paid for all this. Um, that's how I paid for, you know, my plane flights. That's how I played, paid for, um, you know, hotels, all that stuff. And, Go looking back on it, um, it was it was some of the funnest times of my life with uh, so all my friends at these these events. But I really wish I would have just put that money into something where I could develop, like where I could have you know invested in myself a little more rather than just saying, "Hey, like if I put myself in front of these coaches, I'm going to get recruited," and that's the trap I fell in. I think it's a trap a lot of kids fall in nowadays. And, uh, you know, going Division One out of high school is not the end-all, be-all. Um, but I didn't realize that. Um, but at the same time, it was like, I really, I really just want – that's all I wanted. I wanted to sign on, on the dotted line. And I, I wasn't going to let anything stop me at that point. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of my journey throughout high school with uh, – you know, dealing with all of that. Well, Pat, I think, I think you touched on something that really, really can resonate with a lot of people and a lot of families across the country. And that's the fact that, you know, these, these showcases, these tournaments, they, they do have a pretty penny to them, but I, I think that you touched on it really well, that you had a clear vision of what you wanted to do and what you wanted to accomplish. And, you weren't going to create any barriers for yourself and you did everything that you possibly could to get, to get to those, those showcases, those camps and get, get seen. But also as a, as a young, young teenager, kind of just starting to develop to mature, you had to grow up really fast. Um, and just kind of, kind of tell us how you were able to, to really grow up when you really needed to. And, and get get to where you needed to be. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I I did have to grow up fast, and you know, it was it was one of those things where I was making a lot of sacrifice in high school that most kids weren't weren't making. You know, I wasn't going out every weekend. I I I mean, I I loved having a social life, but you know, there was times where I just had to work. Um, and you know, my my close friends knew that, but not everyone knew that. Um, and it was tough, man, because you know, there's 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 those things where you want to separate, uh, you want to be able, be able to separate the game from your life. But I was working for the game. Like I was, I was having a job to play the game. And so I'm constantly thinking about baseball 24 seven kind of takes a toll on you a little bit. Uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, would I, would I change anything? Like, do I wish that never happened to me? No, honestly, like it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I had to mature and, uh, and you know, it's, I, I'm grateful that it happened to me, honestly. 
Yeah, Pat, I think that's a great mentality about it. You know, just just personal development wise for anyone, you know, looking at at struggles as an opportunity to grow, especially at such a young age. But I guess what was the biggest takeaway from from going through that struggle? You know, like there's so many people like we're going through COVID right now. There's so many people who who are struggling. But what did that experience just tell you about life? I mean, my, like my mom always said it, this, this situation doesn't define you. Like you are who you are and you're, you're a great individual um, and you're going to get to where you want to be. But this doesn't define you and we're going to get through this. And no matter what you're going to come out on top because that's the type of person you are. Um, And I really, I really value like family and friendships a lot and pretty loyal and I keep my circle pretty tight and, uh, with, with, with the help of my friends and family, like it, it helped me out a lot knowing that um, I had people in my corner backing me up. Um, and, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm just grateful that it happened to me so early on in my life because now I know how to deal with the struggle. Um, and, you know, I, I had, I had kind of a bottom um, and I'm right now I'm, I'm as happy as I've ever been just because I, I kind of reached that bottom. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's 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 my answer for that. I uh, I want to backtrack a little bit, Pat. You talked about how you really didn't have any plus tools, and you were going out and spending all this money to go to these showcases. And what? How how can a how can a high school player, a high school recruit, know if if he has the tools that he's ready to go and spend this money on these showcases? And if if they're not, I mean, should do you feel that these showcases should almost let people know that if you're at this level, you're ready to come out? But if not, I mean, don't don't spend your money because it's not even going to be helpful for you. Right. So if, if you don't have, you know, an 88 to 90 mile an hour fastball, if you're not running, you know, a 6.6 to 6.8, if you're not, if you don't have a, you know, a 95 mile per hour exit velo um, in a game, um, those aren't tools those just flat out aren't tools. And if you don't have that, um, it's tough to get recruited. Um, if you, you, I mean, you can be a flat out ball player and at the end of the day, um, people are going to choose, you know, the big six, four shortstop over you because he has potential and you don't. Um, and that's, it's sad, but reality is like the stigma of going to junior college needs to go away because that's where you can develop. That's where you can mature. And like, I mean, I'm so grateful for that. Like, I think that going to junior college was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, And so at these showcases where it's all these division one coaches that are, you know, getting paid to be there. uh, And and I'm not inherently saying these showcases are bad at all. Like if you're good, go to these showcases. But if you really don't think that you have the tools to go, then like, Use that money, invest in a trainer that's going to show you how to functionally lift, uh, get you more athletic and get you stronger to develop those tools. Invest that money in a pitching coach or hitting coach that you can trust that's going to care about you uh, and that's going to develop you Um, rather than going to a showcase, not doing very well, spending that 500, 400, 500 bucks um, and ending up coming away with nothing. That's 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 the way you got to go about it. 
Definitely. And I just think that's something that the baseball world has. We've all just trended to these showcases and getting your names out there. And and you get to them and you realize, okay, like, unless you're throwing 90 plus miles an hour or you're, you're right, like running a 6.6 to a 6.8, like you're not really going to get looks. And I just think right. it's such good advice to where it's like, yeah, what I, I know like showcases that are a thousand dollars. You know how much great development you can have by just going right. to a great trainer or a great hitting coach. Exactly what you're touching on, Pat, where, you know, I'm looking more in the long run in the sense that if I become the best baseball player I can be and invest my money there, that it will pay off in the end. And then I, I, I think that's what, you know, we we've seen with you. So you go to SBCC. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. And obviously you're, you're at UCLA right now, but you talked about the stigma of, of junior college. Like, do you think that was the best route for you? 100%. So out of high school, um, I probably ran like a, a set, six, nine, seven flat, flat 60. I wasn't very athletic. Like I was on my way to get, be getting athletic. Didn't really have, I had an okay arm. Um, and, you know, the falls in junior college are all about development and especially at SBCC. Um, I chose SBCC uh, predominantly because the track record of sending guys to uh, division one schools. Uh, and obviously it's in Santa Barbara, it's beautiful, get to get away from home um, and all that. And so uh, the fall of my freshman year, uh, every Tuesday and Thursday were like more development days. Um, so we're using weighted bats, um, we're using med balls, um, we're you know used, doing our speed and agility program, uh, throwing programs, um, all that stuff. I mean, it was all about development. It was all about getting us faster, stronger, our, uh, making our quick, trick, uh, quick twitch muscles better. And, you know, that helped me out so much. And so, you know, after two years of that, I go from, you know, being a 6'9 runner to be a 6'5 runner, be, going from having an okay arm to having a good arm and uh, all that stuff. And I developed my tools um and you know if you if you end up going the division one route out of high school um and you end up not getting that that many at bats and you don't develop you're actually getting worse and so as a guy that was getting maybe 100 ab's in the fall maybe even more than that and then in the spring getting like 150 to 170 um I developed that much more than, you know, any other guy. Well, Pat, I'm curious because obviously being able to develop that much and in, in two years requires a, a tremendous amount of work. Can you, can you kind of tell us what kind of what a day looked like for you with, with practice, with training, with classes, with eating, with sleeping, whether you were working or not at this time, just kind of kind of walk us through just kind of a day for you during this period. For sure. So I think my sophomore year would sum it up pretty well. So um, we had uh, two different types of practices at SBCC. My sophomore year was, um, we had a, we had a bunch of red shirts. Um, so practice for 
uh, like the actual team started at 12.30, I think. And then the red shirt practice started at 11, I believe. Um, and so on days that we didn't have lifting, I would wake up, go to class, and then I would go to the field around 10.30. Um, I do my hitting for about an hour. Um, and then I would work on either, you know, fly balls or bunting or something like that. So by the time practice already started, I already had two hours worth of practice. Um, and then by the time practice rolls around, uh, I've already had probably like two meals in, uh, I I'm trying to gain weight at the same time. So I'm drinking probably like a gallon of water a day, uh, you know, just to get a little water weight on, uh, <laughs> practice ends around like four 30. Um, working on bunting again after practice, um, get home, eat, uh, if I wanted to do like extra mobility or like shoulder work, I would go to 24 at night. I would, um, you know, do the sauna steam, all that, um, at night for recovery, eat again, and then, you know, kind of just hang out with my, my buddies at my apartment and then go to sleep and kind of do it all over again. Yeah, that's a that's a baseball day right there. That's Hell that's yeah. a day of an absolute grinder and a JUCO bandit, as they say. But Pat, I want to ask. You know, junior college is a lot cheaper than a four year college, right? So we, right. Jared and I went to Chapman University, and it's the tuitions. I think it's like sixty grand a year now. It's it's um, ridiculous. It's just and, let me and, just say that. But but it's not right. even just Chapman. It's it's all private universities in California. You're starting to see it's just all private universities in general across the country. You know, even right. even the public universities in California, the UC schools, they're they're at least thirty thousand dollars, right? Twenty to thirty thousand right. dollars. You know, how much right. did the financial implication um come into your decision of, you know, like, yeah, I don't really have I don't really have any offers, but also like I can't really just walk on at a school and, and pay that money that first year. Like did that, did the financial aspect make it easy to choose going to SBCC? Well, yeah, I mean, it, I couldn't go anywhere unless I got a pretty good scholarship out of high school. So I had some like preferred walk on um, offers that I couldn't do, nor that I didn't want to do that either. Um, and so I decided to go to SBCC because it was financially a better move, but it was just a better move all in all for like myself. Like I was an academic guy in high school, still am, but, uh, you, you would see that JUCO is not, you know, for the screw ups. It's not for the guys that get bad grades. And if you looked at guys on my team, everyone had fantastic grades in high school. It's just, they wanted to continue to play baseball at a high level. And so um, that's why I chose SBCC. Wait, Pat, you said you didn't really want to do any preferred walk-on type thing. Why is that? Uh, I think that, I think that out of high school being a preferred walk-on in my shoes was they weren't they, they weren't necessarily going to invest in me and I wasn't going to get the opportunity of a scholarship guy um and I would really have to uh earn a lot more of like playing opportunities um if I wasn't a scholarship guy 
Um, and also like the financial aspect was just, it, we just couldn't do it. So that's why uh, a preferred walk on out of high school wasn't even in the picture. And so I want to talk about just, so let's again, going back to 15 years old, sophomore in high school, work, work pretty much working your ass off um, yeah. to get, to get what you want to be. Fast forward two years into junior college, still working your ass off. I mean, yeah. it's, I, I can't even, I can't even stop thinking about having to work two jobs at 15 years old to go pay for all the showcases and tournaments that I played in. But what, what kept you going? I mean, you, you were, you had, you had to have been tired. You've been doing this for four or five years. I mean, what, how did you manage your energy and how were you able to just keep going? Uh, there's a couple things. Um, my, my coach at Sarah introduced me, he was my biggest mentor, Craig Jean, you know, he introduced me to writing. Um, so I'd write a lot, uh, write my goals down, just write my thoughts down in a journal. I have a bunch, I kind of look at them from time to time to kind of see what I what I was thinking back in high school and where my mind was at and stuff. Um, that was, that helped me keep me on track. Um, and then my senior year, uh, my, one of my other mentors, uh, at Sarah Calvin Riley was, uh, murdered in San Francisco. Um, and that took a toll on me as well. Um, he was, you know, kind of like a big brother figure to me. His dad coached me from 14 on. He was always there. Um, he was my mentor at high school, at high school. And, um, and, you know, he loved the game so much uh, to a point where it was like, I can't stop playing right now. Like, even though I'm going through something right now, like there's way worse out there and I'm playing for the love of the game and I'm playing for Calvin Riley and I'm playing just because I get to, not that I have to anymore. And that was one of the biggest motivators for me. Yeah. That just that idea of, of, you know, country blessings type of thing where we think about everything that we can be grateful for rather than the issues in our lives. But, but Pat, like, I, I really like the writing thing. It's something that I personally do as well. Helps me to keep my mind straight. But did you, were you just writing like things you were feeling, things that were going on during your day? What exactly were you, were you writing about? It could have stemmed from anything from, uh, you know, what I was thinking at the plate that day, my at-bats, uh, to, hey, I'm not really in a good place right now. I just got to write it down, uh, and then I'll feel a little better after. Uh, and, yeah, it's kind of just anything. It, it really helped me just to put, like, you, you know, if you have, like, bottled up emotions, just to write it down, flush it, get it out of the system. Um, and that's – it just helped me out a lot. And like, like Joe said, I mean, both Joe and I have talked extensively about mental wellness and just trying to keep your brain health first and foremost, because that's going to affect all other parts of your life. But staying on the same topic of writing stuff down and, and keeping stuff written, 
uh, you you and I talked, and you said after after you were getting ready to leave SBMC and sorry SBCC, SBCC. there you go, Jared, and uh, <laughs> and and figure out where you were going to continue your baseball career. You you told you told us that you that you made a checklist. Can you kind of go go into more detail with that? And one, why you did that, and two, how that helped you make a decision. Yeah, so I knew that in my recruiting process from my coach at SBCC, I was a right-handed hitting outfielder, and I'd have to wait till after the draft to make any type of decision, because um, in that in in these cases, outfielders kind of go last. It goes pitcher, catcher infielder outfielder and uh i had to you know go prove myself again in the summer uh for the start of the summer last summer in walla walla uh and i made this checklist of the type of school i wanted to go to and i really wanted to go to a very good academic school i wanted to go to a place that already had a developed culture that i can be a part of and that i didn't want to i could i could help grow but i didn't have to help make I wanted, uh, you know, the chance to go to Omaha. I wanted to play in front of some fans. Uh, and I, you know, just wanted to be on a really good team. And so um, when UCLA came in the picture, it checked all the boxes. And I knew there was no other decision than to go there. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity um, for the coaches to take a chance on a junior college kid like me. And I... Uh, yeah, I'm so grateful to be there. Pat, can I ask you like why you made the checklist? Is it more just a a mentality thing of, you know, like putting out there what I want, defining what I want so I know like how I'm going to make my decision? Like is yes. is, it, is yes. it just as simple as that? Yes. It was it was I've worked so hard for where I want to be. There's no reason why I shouldn't have what I want. And that's, I wanted a school to just check all the boxes. Uh, And it was kind of something my brothers helped me out with. uh, And that, you know, it was, it was a tough process, but uh, at the end of the day, I couldn't have thought of a better school to go to. I, uh, I want people to, to make sure that they, they listen to that. And if they need to go back and listen to that again, because when we had when we had Nick Garcia on the show, he talked about how he had a whiteboard in his room, and on the whiteboard he said that he wanted to get drafted in the 2020 Major League Draft, and and right now Pat's talking about he he had his goals of playing Division One, and not only did he have that, but he he created a checklist of the exact Division One that he wanted to go to, and the the importance of writing down your goals and what you want and what you need to do to get there is, is, is incredibly helpful, incredibly important to keep you on track. And Pat, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of you doing that and part of your struggle kept you on track because you knew exactly what you wanted. Absolutely. I mean, it's something, uh, my older brothers did as well. Uh, I mean, they went through the same thing too. And I just remember, after my older brother didn't get drafted uh, out of LMU his junior year, he printed out an MLB 2017 draft sheet and he hung it up on his ceiling and he'd wake up every day and he'd look at that. And I saw that. I thought that was super motivating. And he ended up getting drafted that year and he worked his ass off to do that. Uh, and it's just something that's kind of just a part of my family that we just want to be become the best versions of ourselves. 
I just have to say, you know, Coach Giannino at Sarah, this is directly at you, but you do a great job. I know you're at USF now, but you do a really good job. I mean, just talking to Pat and you, Pat, and then Nick as well, like every single kid I know from Sarah is just so motivated. They they know what they want and they go after their dreams. And I just really respect that. So Coach G, great job. Um Yeah, shout out shout out Coach G, the man. <laughs> um Pat, let's talk let's talk UCLA. You're you're there as a as a junior, right? Right, right. You get you get on campus as a junior, you know, just one of the best baseball programs in the nation. Can you can you just talk about, you know, like your feelings when you walk in on campus as a student athlete there? Yeah, it, I mean it was a dream come true. Um I was kind of in shock for the first couple of weeks of being there and you know <laughs> Being a junior college kid, when you have to buy your gear, um, buy your sweatshirt, buy your practice gear, um, and you show up and there's just a mound of gear in your locker, that was one of the best moments of my life, honestly. <laughs> um, but just being being at a school like that where there's so much, so much tradition, um, you see Jackie Robinson statues around and you know, you see people that are so motivated to be great. Um, it it wasn't hard to fit in there. And uh, I, I absolutely loved every minute I was there this year. I want to go into, um, you talked about tradition. And one of the most respected coaches in, in the entire country is Coach Savage. And mm. just tell me what it's like playing for coach savage coming in from i mean you uh we've already talked about coach g over at sarah now at usf and how he prepares players you played you played at santa barbara community college just tell me what what's so different about coach savage and what he gets out of his players at ucla well i gotta i gotta shout out my coach at santa barbara city college jeff walker he was he was absolutely a huge part in my development he took a he is a division one coach that's coaching at, at junior college. And he, uh, he took, he takes a lot of stuff from high, higher up coaches in the division one game and he uses it. So playing for uh, coach Walker and then going to uh, play for coach Savage uh, was an easy adjustment because they kind of have the same coaching styles, but playing for uh, playing for coach Savage uh, and going to next year, um, it's it's awesome because we I, I think I think the biggest thing that we do at UCLA is just focus on uh, perfecting the fundamentals and just getting so good at the fundamentals that we're not going to we're not going to mess them up. Um, we don't focus on anything outside we can't control. Um, he kind of lets the players create the culture. It's it's nothing. It's nothing like, all right, you know, we're going to be in a classroom and I'm going to tell you this is the culture and you know you guys got to do it. It's more of a player oriented uh, program um, where you know the players hold each other as accountable and uh, it's there's not there's really not much more to say. But but then it's it's awesome playing for him. 
it's a championship culture right there. And Pat, yes, I mean, you set goals, you achieve them. What's next? What's the next goal? I mean, next goal is to be a professional. I'm just going to continue to work on that. Um, you know, unfortunate with COVID this year, but, you know, just forward thinking to next year. So. Well, Pat, I want to, I want to finish up with if I could take you into a room with every single high school potential college baseball player. And I said, you have five minutes to talk about one thing. What, what's the one thing that you want these kids to know? Uh, damn. Uh, I would say signing on the dotted line in high school isn't everything. I thought it was, I thought it was the biggest thing uh, that I needed to happen in my life. Um, and then a year later, you forget about that. Um, and you're at junior college and you're working your tail off and you're going to get to where you want to be. Um, as long as you put in the work, uh, you got to be a worker. You got to be willing to be a good teammate. You got to be willing to uh, learn. You got to be willing to listen, uh, buy in. And if you have an ego, you got to lose it. Um, you got to, you know, do everything uh, that you can to be the best version of yourself. And that's what I would say. Love it. Love it, Pat. Really appreciate you coming on. You know, story just gave me absolute goosebumps, man. I, Thank you. I, I Thank you. honestly, thanks for sharing it with us. I know it's something you you haven't shared with with many other people, but you know, just goosebumps. I think about when um, you know, going through sh- the showcase circuit and all of that stuff, and and it makes you think about like, what are you really gonna, what are you putting your money into? And it makes me grateful right. for my parents and everything they've done. Um, but really it's been awesome talking to you super motivational stuff just in terms of of overcoming difficult parts of your life um and good luck to you man hey thanks for having me guys and thanks for letting me share my story it's it was awesome thanks pat i appreciate you coming on here bud all right guys thanks Wow. I I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that interview with Pat just as much as Joe and I enjoyed recording that interview with Pat. I mean, Joe, what how awesome was that, man? It really was awesome and there's just so much emotion to to the interview and him telling his story and you know, just just talking to him and before the interview like him telling us like it's not a story that he's told many people. So Pat, like, again, thanks for sharing the story and being comfortable enough to share it with us. But yeah, just so much emotion gave us goosebumps um, when we did record it. Well, and I, I can personally attest to it's, it's hard to tell a story about your lowest point in life, especially when it's tied to something you love so much as baseball. It's, it's a hard thing to kind of go through and tell people, but once you kind of start doing it, it's, it's kind of a monkey off your bat. So Pat, like Joe said, thanks for doing that, man. But I want to get into the talk of showcases and 
it's something that I kind of reflected on after talking with Pat was really how much did me spending this money get me to where I ended up. And Pat talked about how he wasn't, didn't have tools when he started going to these showcases and thinking back, like neither did I, I was undersized. I wasn't a plus runner. I had a horrible arm. I had no power. And it's, it's interesting thinking back to if I would have spent more time on player development, kind of what I got in my first couple of years of college. But if that would have been money better spent versus going to every showcase and tournament I possibly could have gone to. Right. And I, I, Jared, I really like what you said, like your first two years of college, our first, my first years at, at Chapman, but you immediately just go straight into player development. So it's like, at that point, why don't you just start developing and becoming the best version of yourself, becoming the toolsy, like five tool guy and, and worry about that rather than being like, okay, like I need to get myself in front of coaches. And it's exactly what Pat talked about. It's why get in front of coaches if you're not throwing high eights to low nines or you have great speed with a, a six, six to a six, eight, or you're hitting the ball a hundred plus miles an hour. Like there's no point. It's just wasted money. Again, what Pat said, like invest that money in yourself and, and get a gym membership, get, get a good trainer, um, get great coaches. All these things are, are, are things that other people can do if they don't want to go the showcase route. And, well, it, and, and I can, I can, tell you, all- I can tell you why people, people don't do that. It's, I mean, think about it. Were you ever told that? You no. know, I mean, no, going, no, going it's a, yeah, going in high school. I mean, you're told get in front of as many coaches as you can because mm-hmm. you need to get seen, and that's the only way that that you're going to do that. But if you get in front of coaches and you suck comparatively to to whoever you're playing with, I mean, you're not going to stand out at all. Yeah, and it's just sad to see that. You know, I, I remember Pat described them as basically biz, big business corporations. And that's it's just kind of what it is turning into, which is sad for the game. Um, but, you know, Pat gives a lot of very constructive advice on what you can do rather than going to those showcases. So I appreciate that, Pat. But but I think I think, too, that they they are tools that you can utilize. I mean, if you if you are ready to get seen by coaches and you want to get in front of as many coaches as you can, those can be huge tools. I mean, you and I both went to the Stanford camp and the Stanford camp isn't a cheap camp, but that's where I got, I would say 90, 95% of my collegiate looks was at that camp. Yeah. I I'd agree with that. Like that was the reason I had the opportunity to, play division one baseball but but again it's it's looking at yourself understanding okay if i go to this do i have a shot at getting picked up and i think that's the biggest question that people have to ask themselves before they make that big investment into that showcase well and it goes back to we talk about fit when you're talking about finding the right school to go to but you also you need to do that the whole process you need to go to camps or showcases that fit you, but you also you need to find the best recruiting process fit for you. If the best fit for you is to develop for two years and just use your senior year to get looks, 
then do that. But you, that's, that's a personal thing that you need to work on mm-hmm. to find that for yourself. Cause no one's going to tell you that because it's different for everybody. Let's switch gears though. Cause I, we, we have to talk about Pat's mindset from sophomore year of high school till now, because it's, it seems to be a theme with a lot of the, a lot of the guys that we're bringing on this show is they just have a different mentality. I mean, yeah, like you just think about, I forget who was telling me about it, but it's probably Coach Eddie, who's our pitching coach at Chapman. But it was the idea that there are so many talented guys in the minor leagues. And to get to the major leagues, it's part luck, but also the guys that make it to the major leagues are the guys who are just so good mentally and exactly what you said jared what we're seeing is guys who master their mind who master just like going through their own process and continue to iterate through that process until they find something that works for them to get to where they need to be is is honestly probably more important than anything else like you saw that in nick's interview and you see it again in pat's interview i mean Going what he had to go through is almost unthinkable for me. I I couldn't imagine having to grow up as a sophomore in high school and doing what he did, but it just makes his story so much cooler and just have so much more respect for him after that. Well, and I think, I think one of the biggest parts of this entire interview with him was you, you aren't just there's some guys that are just born into that that mental space, but you can build yourself into that mental space. And Pat was telling us about how he got turned on to journaling and writing down his goals and basically having, I mean, we talked about his checklist, his goal list, his even his journals, everything was written down so he could physically see it. He talked about his brother posting the the draft board on his ceiling. So he woke up every morning with that vision. It's there's tools out there to build that mindset. And if if you want to learn more about those tools, reach out to us because they, they can be super powerful, even not even just baseball wise, but just building a, a mental mindset to be able to go out and conquer what, whatever you want to do. Right. Last thing, Penny, I, I do want to say is what we see from Pat is someone who just uses everything that's thrown at him in his life as an opportunity to grow. And I think that's like easily one of the biggest parts of, of maturing in, in his story, in my story, in your story. It just like the general development of people is, is, you know, how do I want to live my life? And like he said, do I want to let this situation define me or am I going to use it as a way to grow? And I think that's something that everyone needs to ask themselves. How how do you deal with adversity? This this episode gave you a little bit of everything that we're trying to get you uh, on official visit. So again, we come at you every Tuesday with different stories and different takes on recruiting. And we're also, we think we're going to implement a little bit more player development into this because... I think they kind of go hand in hand as we're kind of seeing with our last couple episodes. So again, this podcast is for you guys. 
So if you want to hear more or less or different stuff, let us know. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Reach out to us on our our website at officialvisitpod.com. And until next time, guys, we'll see you next week.